Welcome to the Financial Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how to build your practice from startup to scale up while being the kind of coach your clients crave. Finally, a podcast for financial coaches. Here are your hosts, Maria Casillas and Cody Sizemore. Hello, and welcome back to the Financial Coaches Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, her name is Lee Shea McDonough, and she is the founder of Coach with Clarity. Lee, how you doing? I'm doing great. Cody, Maria, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Of We're happy course, to have of you. Course. And of course, we can't forget Maria either. Maria, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine. Just fine. Thank you. <laughs> good, good. So we actually connected with Lee um, a couple weeks back and um, just kind of connected and talked to her about like what she does. Um, and honestly, it was a really, really cool conversation. Um, I'm actually very excited for her to just kind of take the reins here and, um, you know, just unpack like what she does and, and why she's doing it. And, um, really, I think that what's cool about what she does is that there's, there's a lot of coaches, especially in the financial coaching realm, um, that can really, really benefit from the work that she does uh, with other coaches, you know, she she basically just helps you become like a really a better coach for your clients and have a more streamlined system for your business uh, that more that more so just aligns with like, not only your values, but also your clients values too. So and we and you know, as you know, Marie and I love that kind of stuff. Uh, so this was like a perfect fit. It was a match made in heaven. <laughs> so, so Lee, without further ado, why don't you just, um, you know, tell us who you are and why you do what you do and what you do. Yes, I'm just going to dive right in. So as you mentioned, my name is Lee Shea McDonough, and I'm the force behind Coach with Clarity, where we help people become better coaches. And this all started for me. Well, the coaching piece started about six years ago. But prior to that, I was a therapist and social worker for about 15 years. I got my master's degree in social work and in public health, uh, became a licensed clinical social worker and did a lot of psychotherapeutic activity with my uh, clients, both individuals and couples. And then, you know, we evolve, we grow. And around 2015, uh, my family was going through some major changes when my husband left the military. We moved back to the United States after being stationed in Europe. Uh, our kids had essentially grown up overseas, and so I was foreseeing some huge transitions coming up. So I took some time off from my professional capacity as a therapist to kind of help navigate that transition. And we were almost a year in when I started getting the itch to return uh, to my career, though I knew I wanted it to look different. For some reason, I just had the sense that mental health was no longer the field where I was supposed to help people. While all of this was going on, my husband bought a dental practice. He's a periodontist. And so I was supporting him and partnering with him. And what we both discovered quickly is that it's one thing to be a dentist or a periodontist. It's quite another to own a dental practice and be a business owner and an entrepreneur. That's an entirely different skill set that they don't really prepare mm -hmm. you for in dental school or in the military. So there was a lot of on-the-job training. We were figuring things out as we went along. And as gifted as a clinician as he is, 
because there was a lot of stress that came from essentially being a novice in the world of business. That was really difficult for him to negotiate. And I kept thinking to myself, there's got to be someone out there who can support him and people like him through this process. And as I started researching, that's what led me into coaching and specifically business coaching. And then I realized, "Mm, you know, given my background as a therapist, given everything I'm learning in the world of small business ownership, I wonder if I could do this. I wonder if I could be a business coach. So I enrolled in a coach training program. I became credentialed through the International Coaching Federation. I started my business. And because of my background in therapy, many of my clients were therapists and I helped them build successful private practices. And the more therapists and healthcare providers I worked with, the more they started asking me, tell me about this coaching thing. How did you become a coach? And do you think you could help me become a coach? So then I kind of transitioned away from direct coaching and more into the training and education side of things. And so that's largely what I do now. Uh, I still work with a limited number of private coaching clients because I love coaching and I I never want to give that up. But really the Mm -hmm. the bulk of my time is focused on providing initial training for coaches and I also offer continuing education. So once those coaches have their credential and they need to maintain it, they can get the training and education they need through Coach with Clarity. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And even like the whole backstory, like I had no idea that you lived in Europe for years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> and, yeah. And I, and I could imagine that, you know, coming back to the States, that was probably a weird transition, not only for your kids, um, but also, like you said, with your husband um, starting the, the dentist uh, practice. Uh, you're right. It's a totally different animal. You know, it's not just doing the work. Now it's like doing the work and doing the work as well, you know? So um, I just find that uh, awesome that, that that your story comes from even just throughout your, your own family. You know? Oh, well, thank you. So that's that's awesome. Thanks. You know, I think it really speaks to the fact, and I know we hear about this a lot, the difference between working in your business and working on your business. And, you know, in some of the circles that I run in, there's really this emphasis on scaling and growth and working on. But when you are a healthcare professional, you really do have to do both. You are the clinician. You are the provider. You will always be working in your business. And so you have to learn how to wear both of those hats. And I think for coaches as well, that's very much the case because we're still working with our clients. We're showing up and serving them and we have businesses to run. And so that's what I'm really into exploring with my clients is what does it mean to be a powerful coach, a powerful service provider, and a powerful business owner? Because we can do both and we need to do both if we want to have sustainable, thriving practices. Yeah. My favorite thing about what you do, Lee, is is what I'm referencing as kind of like a bridge. So I think that there are a lot of a lot of people out there who will teach you like how to do the business side of coaching. And there's also a lot of people out there who teach you, especially in the financial coaching world, what to coach. But there has seemed to be, in my opinion, a lack of people teaching you how to coach, you know, how to be a good coach. And so what I love about what you do is that you're able to kind of provide that bridge for individuals and and allow them to see this is how you become a powerful coach, not just what to coach, but actually how to do it. And so I just, I love that. I mean, it reminds me a lot of what, where my background is, it's also in therapy and, and that there's just so much overlap and yet there's not, since there's such a low barrier to entry, I think 
in uh, in the coaching world, it's so different than counseling or therapy. Uh, and so many people just say, well, I, I've done this and now I can go and share it with someone else. And there's some truth to that. And yet it's just not as powerful. But when you really know how to coach somebody, it, the results are just so much more impactful. So I've, I'm really excited to dig into that part with you today. I am too, because I think you're exactly right. I think really talented coaches know how to weave in their own experience, their own wisdom, their own training with really solid coaching methodology so that mm -hmm. we don't lose sight of what we're really here to do, which is to support the client in achieving their goals. And yes. it's not our goals. We're not telling them what to do or establishing their plan for them. We're helping them develop their own. We're partnering with them and creating that container in which they can dream big and create a vision for their future and then figure out, okay, what do I need to do to get there? Yes. Yes. So much more impactful than just handing them a prescriptive plan. I think so. I think so. And I think to your point too, coaching as a profession does have a low bar for entry and there are benefits and drawbacks to that. I love that it's accessible. I love that people can start their own businesses and serve others. And the drawback is that because it's a self-regulated industry, anyone can call themselves a coach like right. right now in this moment. And so it really is on the consumer to do their research and their homework and ask their potential coach about their training and experience and what frameworks or um, theoretical approaches they use. And so that's why in Coach with Clarity, we're really clear about not just these are the skills and tactics you use, but here's the broader look at what coaching is, how we develop relationships, and how those relationships are informed by evidence-based practices. And so really, I just think that's, that's the best of all the worlds combined. Yeah. So, Lee, we were talking a few weeks back, and you had mentioned um, some some pillars, right? And ever since that conversation, uh, I just really liked that conversation that we had. Uh, I got really, really excited. So I've been like kind of sitting on the edge of my chair uh, <laughs> this entire time. <laughs> so I'm curious can you can you pull back the curtain and? Um, kind of show everyone what those pillars are and what it all entails and, and uh, you know, this is just that kind of stuff. Yes. I'll tell you all of my secrets. <laughs> no. oh, um, you know, really, I think when it comes to coaching, we, it helps to start by differentiating it from some other helping professions. And one thing that I see happen a lot is that the term coach often gets conflated with consultant or mentor. And that's not to say that consultants and mentors aren't important. They are. They serve a really valuable role, actually, uh, in many businesses. But that's different than coaching. You know, a, a consultant may come in and assess the health of your business or your relationship or your life um, and then provide some targeted solutions for you to implement, sometimes on your own, sometimes with their support. But the messaging and the ideas are largely coming from the consultant based on their training experience and so forth. With a coach, it's a little different in that we're not starting from a place of I'm going to come in and I'm going to assess you and tell you what to do differently. It's more a partnership process where we are really getting clear on what matters most to the client, what do they want to achieve, uh, what blocks have kept them from achieving that, what have they already tried. And then we're 
asking the right questions and creating a container in which the client can start to explore that. And so some of it is about relationship building uh, and, and growing that sense of rapport. It's about asking those powerful questions to elicit some, some creativity in the client and to help them see those new opportunities. And then we also know when and how to apply structure so that we don't just have this huge amorphous conversation that doesn't actually lead to action. We know how to take these ideas that the client is creating, marry them with our own uh, subject matter expertise, and then create a solid action plan for the client to implement. So it's very much about partnership. So I think that's one of the main principles is viewing this as a, a partnership of equals where the client is the expert in the client and the coach is the expert in the coaching process. And so when we each know what we bring to the table and we view it as um, as you know, this, this equal relationship, I think that's, that's the, the first step. Then we really need to lean on our expertise as a coach to create the structure for the relationship. And I like to think of it both as how do we create a, a holistic structure for the entire coaching uh, relationship, however long that is, whether it's one day, one month, one year. We want to think about what how, how long am I going to be working with this client? What is it that they want to accomplish by the end? What milestones might they need to achieve along the way in order to make that happen? And then how can I structure this so that I'm supporting them in hitting those milestones and addressing any obstacles that may come along? And so when we've got that kind of big picture idea, then we can look at how do I structure each individual session? Because again, we want these sessions to have a purpose in and of themselves and for the larger coaching goal. And so that's why with my students and my members, I'm really exploring how do we set up that coaching session? What are the questions that you're asking at the start in order to make sure you and the client are on the same page, that you know what the client wants to address, that we can connect it to their larger goal and to their values? And then we look at how do we end the session so that we're sending our client back into their lives ready to take action. So I find that when we have really clear structure for the beginning and end of a session, that gives us a lot of freedom in the middle to have a little fun, to explore. Um, I certainly don't want any coaching session to be cookie cutter. And I think that's why when we've got that structure at the beginning and the end, we really can make room for the magic in the middle. Mm -hmm. I really like that um, because as I, as I started my coaching practice, which is probably about two years ago, um, I definitely started in like the cookie cutter uh, realm of things because I, you know, I was just trying to do things the right way, you know, quote unquote, the right way. Right. Um, then I found out that the right way doesn't actually exist. <laughs> it's whatever, whatever actually works, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, the, the cookie cutter with just like having everything like laid out exactly. Um, while I thought that that would be the right way to do it, I found that like, it just wasn't resonating with people. Yeah. And because it wasn't resonating with people, like, they weren't getting the results, you know, they weren't excited, they weren't inspired. Um, so I really like that you have like, hey, like, let's have some structure in the beginning to set the tone. Let's have some structure at the end to make sure that they feel inspired. And, you know, like, they're going to take action, like you said. And then that middle section is where the magic happens. You know, I think that's really, really powerful, because 
one thing that I feel like I had a hard time with, with that middle section was just being comfortable with it. Yeah. Comfortable with just being yes. like, okay, I'm just going to see what happens. You know, um, that can be really intimidating for a lot of coaches, especially newer coaches too. Absolutely. And that was my experience as a newer coach too. I found great comfort in having templates and guides and structures and questions because I wanted to show up and really serve my client. I wanted them to have great outcomes. I wanted them to be pleased with the level of support I was providing. And so I really thought if I show up super prepared with all of these great questions and I have everything planned out, then they're going to walk away feeling like they got their money's worth. And in fact, what it did was it really mm. hampered the session. It, in many ways, disconnected me from the client and took me out of the present moment because I was so busy thinking about what comes next, what do I need to ask, what do I need to do, that I really lost sight of what was there in front of me. And so that's kind of the irony of, of the over-preparation is it actually takes you out of the moment. And so that's why as you are growing as a coach and you're learning these new tools and techniques, of course we want to practice them. It's why peer coaching is a part of my certification program so that you can try things out and experiment with your peers in a safe environment. And then that helps build competence and confidence so that when you're working with quote unquote real life clients, you have enough trust in yourself and in the process to surrender to the moment, to that magical, messy middle, and have faith that by partnering, by showing up, by being present, and by always centering the client, you are going to facilitate that transformation they're seeking. Uh, it does take trust. Uh, it does take faith. And it takes practice. Um, and, and so I just want to say that, like, I think we've all started at that point with wanting to have everything scripted. But when we make room for that improvisation, that's, that's really where the fun can happen. Yeah. So I know if, if I was listening to this, I would be wondering, okay, so you talk about that trust, right? But how do I get that trust? How do I trust myself? You know, like what, what are you, what's your feedback on that? You know, for anyone who might be thinking that what's, how, how do they even begin to trust themselves to just not have everything so structured? Ooh. We could create an entire podcast series on just that <laughs> question. Um, I but I do have some initial thoughts, uh, and, and I, I won't go on too long, I promise. But I think when we're looking at how can I build trust uh, in myself as a coach, in the coaching process, we need to look at, well, what's keeping me from really stepping into that? What are the messages that are going on in my mind that are causing me to doubt myself, second-guess myself, and so forth? Um, that is a huge part, and, and this is a, a big word. We'll talk about it later, too. That's a huge part of mindset work. Mindset work is an integral part of coaching. We have to address uh, how we relate to our internal experiences, and that's how I define mindset. So it is about thoughts. It's also about emotions, memories, sensations, all of those private internal experiences that we have, That those shape how we show up in the outside world and how we show up in relationships. So when we are experiencing a lack of trust in ourselves, it's often because of some internal messaging that we're buying into. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not experienced enough, or I'm too much. I'm too big. I'm too bold. I'm going to drive people away. So when we get to the heart of the messaging that's influencing that lack of trust, and we really do some, some work with, with that, 
that's where we can start to expose those messages for what they are. And I want to be really clear that I actually view those messages as being our mind's way of trying to help us. I, I view the mind as a safety monitor. It wants us to be safe. It wants us to be stable. It wants us to be secure. And when we try something new, when we put ourselves out there, when we market ourselves, host a podcast, you name it, when, when, we're, when we're being more visible, we then become more vulnerable. Vulnerable to criticism, um, vulnerable to, to being outed, all of these things. And the mind sees that as not being safe. And so it's going to do whatever it can to pull us back in to the fold, to keep us safe and small. And so when we're continuing to, to do these big things, our mind is going to generate thoughts that create doubt and that cause us not to trust ourselves because then we retreat. We retreat into safety. So the mind is doing its job. The mind is trying to help us. So these thoughts happen by design. And the beautiful thing, though, as human beings is that we also have the gift of discernment. And so we can pause and ask ourselves, okay, I see this message for what it is. I understand why it's happening. Is this a message that will serve me in this moment? And sometimes the answer will be yes. This is not a safe environment for me to be out there. I do need to retreat. But more often than not, the answer is going to be no, this is not a time for me to be safe. This is a time for me to take a stand, to share my message, to put myself out there. And so when we do that, then we bring an intentionality to it. And we don't have to buy into our thoughts just because we're having them. And so I think the more we do that and the more we practice that, then we start building our trust in ourselves. And, and so that is kind of probably where I would start, is really doing the mindset work and looking at that process uh, and connecting it to trusting yourself and, and doing the work. Yeah, that's, that's something that I have uh, personally had my own struggles with. Um, and it, it goes in waves, you know, like, like sometimes I'm like super on it and other times I start overthinking and, and doubting myself and all those different types of things, right? And um, something that I have started doing relatively recently, I would say maybe like the last like three to four months or so, is when you said um, kind of asking yourself like, okay, like is this something that uh, is like a truth or a lie kind of thing, right? Um, I ask myself, is this is this thought empowering or is this thought disempowering? Yeah. Yeah. Just a super simple question, you know, and it's like either black or white, right? And it's like, okay, well, if it's disempowering, then I'm probably just going to choose not to listen to it and actually just rebel against it. That's that's my music scene days. You know, like I, I'm the rebellious teenager. Um, so <laughs> we would have gotten along in high like, school. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Like, no, I'm not listening to you. But if it is empowering, then I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to step into this, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that you're right. Like, even though we have that, that, um, that thing kind of working against us, that defense mechanism to where naturally our bodies wants to just keep us safe and, and kind of keep us bundled up. Um, I think that the best thing about us as humans is that we can choose to not listen to that if we want to. Um, and, and realistically, like the reason that we have those emotions and, and those like chemicals in our brain is because we were out running saber tooth tigers, you know, <laughs> like we needed to hide. Yes. We need to stay safe. We don't have those issues anymore. You know, like the, our issues are far less, but our body and our mind doesn't think they are. 
So it's just like totally amplifies the whole thing. And it's like, but for what? That is exactly right. Our our minds, as incredible as they are, have not evolved as quickly as our environment. And so we yeah. are responding to those stressors in much the same way we were thousands and thousands of years ago. So again, it's, the mind is doing what it's wired to do. And so when we understand that, and then we can contextualize these messages and ask ourselves, yes, is this empowering or not? Is this serving me or not? Uh, and we can bring that power of discernment to that, then all of a sudden we open up opportunities for ourselves that maybe our mind wouldn't initially have allowed us to explore. Mm -hmm. yeah. Can I just say I love how articulate you are? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, really, I, I mean that very, very sincerely. Um, so much of what you say, it, 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 you know, goes around in my head in a regular basis. And I just love, it would probably take me three days to actually articulate what it is that I'm thinking half the time. And, uh, and I just, I really appreciate that you're able to be very concise with that. And you're just the, their thought process is absolutely incredible. And I just wanted to let you know that I, I absolutely love that about you. Um, I really like how you talked about the just the way that we don't have to buy into a message just because our mind is, is coming up with it. Um, a lot of what you said regarding keeping ourselves safe, I think, especially since we're talking to financial coaches, I think that comes up a lot of times when it comes to how we behave with our money and how we think about money and the scripts that we allow our minds to tell us. And, and that whole idea about staying safe, but small, um, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, just hoarding money or accumulating it so that we don't ever have to take risk and, and such like stuff like that. I hear a lot of what you're saying in a lot of what my, my clients tend to think about. And you see a lot of, you know, just posters on, um, on different forums where they're talking about this kind of thing. And some of the, the fear and the shame around just being willing to kind of tamper down that fear a little bit and be willing to take some of that risk. So, so that's what I heard a lot. I mean, I know you weren't talking specifically about finances, but I think it crosses so many different barriers. Um, and, and that was one of them. I just, I have, I see that a lot in the financial world. I think you're spot on. And in fact, as you were sharing that, I was thinking about my husband and me and the last time we spoke to our financial advisor and truthfully he and i have very different risk tolerance levels when it comes to investing um, i would say and i think he would agree that he tends to be a little more conservative a little more on the stability side whereas mm -hmm. i tend to be a little more aggressive and and more comfortable with uh with loss if it means potentially then having a gain mm -hmm. and I think it's also really important to say that it's not that he's right and I'm wrong or that I'm right and he's wrong. It's just we're wired differently and we have different tolerance levels when it comes to that. A lot of that, I think, is based on maybe past experiences we've had with money or past what we've observed from our families of origin. And it also connects with our values. Mm -hmm. And talking about values is a critical part of coaching uh, in my perspective. And, and when I use the word values... I'm simply talking about what matters most to you. What do you want to be known for? Mm -hmm. When you think about the legacy you want to leave, what does that look like? Um, what do you want to be the guiding principles in your life? And values themselves are, are inherently neutral. They're not good or bad. And the fact that I may have values that look different from someone else's, that's not right or wrong either. But those values are going to inform how we make decisions and how we show up. And so understanding, first off, what your values are, 
and how that influences how you show up in the world. And then also understanding the values of the people around you, family, friends, coworkers, your coach, your client, and then being able to negotiate any value clashes that come up and also how we can seek commonality in our values, because that's often where we can create that bridge. Mm -hmm. So that, I, I think I may have gone on a little tangent, but that's kind of what your, your uh, reflection inspired in me is that, yes, we are going to, we're definitely going to see that in the financial sphere and when we're talking about money. And there's good reason for that. So it's not necessarily problematic. Again, it's just about getting curious and exploring and then seeing, okay, now that I know this, where do I want to go from here? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think like regarding you and your husband, I mean, I know at least with my husband, he's very much in a way, it seems like he's got a higher risk tolerance because he would he would say that he's more of a, you know, just willing to spend. But when it comes to actually investing in opportunities, he's definitely more on the conservative side. And I really think a lot of that has to do with his value as a provider for our family. And it's it. I mean, I don't I haven't had to be that provider. I've I've done other things that help, obviously, but that is not something that I've had to step up and be. And so I'm able to say, well, if it if it goes away, you know, we don't get this opportunity the way we thought it was. There's time. We'll figure it out. And he's like, well, wait a minute. Like, what's that going to do for what my role is here in this whole relationship? And so I think that there is obviously historical stuff with that as well. Like you said, family of origin. But I think a lot of it really does have to do with the values that we have and there there are some individuals who won't see that necessarily as being a value or that, you know, them going to work wasn't ever something they had to do. Actually, I'm thinking of a, a specific client who they had an inheritance because their family had they were unfortunately victims of a murder of his father. And so they received funds from suing this company. And when he became of age, he didn't have to work. And so the idea of going out and working to provide for family was never a value that was instilled in him. And so now that he's in a different place in life, he's like, wait a minute, I have to do, I have to do what? <laughs> so we don't have to do anything, but let's figure out what those values are first. So I always start with values for that very reason, because I believe very strongly and, and we here at New Money Habits believe very strongly in meeting someone where they are. And you can't meet someone where they are unless you know what they believe and, and what's important to them. That's exactly right. I think that's really the foundation of a powerful relationship of any kind, but certainly a coaching relationship. And one of the first tools that I teach my students in the certification program is something I call the CARE model, C-A-R-E. And the C and the A stand for confirm and affirm. So this is like active listening 101, right? When we're confirming, we're simply reflecting back what we've heard from our clients so that we can verify, yes, I've gotten the message right. And then part two of that is affirming. And that's where we're placing what they've shared, what they believe, how they feel. We're placing that into context because there is more often than not a completely understandable reason for why a client is thinking or feeling the way they are based on their past experiences, based on their values, based on how they've been brought up, whatever that looks like. And so when we take the time to confirm and affirm, we put their experiences in this place of acceptance. And so we're simply saying it makes total sense that you would be approaching your finances this way based on everything you've experienced. Anyone who had a similar upbringing or a similar experience as you might be facing the very same questions you're asking. And so we're showing that not only do we hear what, they, what they're saying, but that we understand. 
And I think what's important to remember too is that when we affirm a client, it doesn't mean we agree with them. We do not have to agree with a client in order to provide that, that sense of validation. But it is so important that we do affirm them because that's what builds trust in the relationship. That's what builds rapport. And then that's what sets the client up to do the deeper work, to explore. When they feel heard, when they feel validated, then they'll be ready to maybe be slightly challenged or to find a different opportunity, a new way of looking things. And so when you're working with clients who are in that kind of exploratory period, I think um, confirming and affirming is so vital. And then just to close the loop, because, you know, I don't want to leave you hanging on, well, what's the R and the E? <laughs> the R is we want to always request permission before we take the next step with a client. We don't want to just barrel through without their consent. So we're going to ask first um, before we engage. And that's the E. And engaging might look like asking a question. It might look like sharing an experience or a thought. There's certainly a time and a place for coaches to share their opinions and their experience. Um, we can do that in a way that is still client-centered, but we don't wanna just rush into that. So once we confirm and affirm, then we request permission and then we engage. And to me, that's coaching 101. That's one of the basic principles that I teach from the beginning. And even just using that framework with a client can completely shift how the client is showing up, how they're relating to us. And I feel like that's the doorway to really help our clients uh, create the change that they want. I love that. So I didn't even know that I used the, the care uh, method, I guess. Um, but in, in, most, in most cases, when I work with clients, uh, the first session that I have, we don't even talk about uh, finances, really, and like, like the numbers or anything like that, like the budgeting. We don't talk about that. Um, we just have a big conversation, you know, like about like what they value, what their pain points are with money, how they were raised, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I kind of just like repeat back to them. You know, like they, they tell me a bunch of stuff and make like a big page of notes. And then I just repeat back to them what I heard, which is the C and the A, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, I'm like, is it okay if I give you some feedback on this? Which is the R. Yes, it is. And then I give them the feedback, which is the E. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. You're doing it. You're doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. So I can speak from experience. Those those uh, sessions are, are really powerful. And I start them off that way because I, I guess, I guess unknowingly, um, I just wanted them to know that they were heard and that they, you know, can trust me, you know, and, and that I want to like just really understand them moving forward you know i always i always uh explain it as almost like you know that one track re race where like they have the baton i think it's called a relay right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so in a relay like when you when you're grabbing that baton you know like you run forward a little bit but then you have to turn back to grab it and then you grab the baton and you run forward with with like full speed right that's essentially what, what I do in that first session is like, we, we reach back and be like, okay, like, where's all this stuff coming from? Like, why do you think this is happening? What are you dealing with? But most importantly, where is it coming from? Right. Yeah. Um, and then once we find that out and we talk about that, then we can figure out how to move forward from it in the best way possible. Um, so, I, can I just say, the, I love that metaphor. Yeah, me Like too. the metaphor of the relay race. That is so powerful because not only is it the reaching back, but also those runners, they have to match their speed and their tempo in order to have that successful handoff. And so as a mm -hmm. coach, 
that's our responsibility is to match the pace. And, and that's what the partnership yep. is all about. And so this is, these are things that you're inherently doing in your coaching. So I have no doubt that like your clients are thriving because of it. Um, and I just love that metaphor. So very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, no problem. I'll run some more laps around you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maria's like, Sh- Cody, shut No, up. I'm not. I, I love listening to you, Cody. <laughs> I was actually going to thank you for the analogy, but again, metaphor is the, the right word for that. So I'm really glad that Lee stepped in a- ahead of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, this is, this is really fun. I'm really glad that we're able to have this conversation. There's just so much amazing stuff that's coming to the surface from all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, before we let you go, there was one other thing that we talked about, and maybe we kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, but you have something that you call the three M's mm-hmm. as well, correct? And if I remember correctly, you said that it was uh, meaning, mindset, and mindfulness. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, the th- so can you unpack like what those are and why it's important to know? Absolutely. Absolutely. The three M's are really the foundation for my coaching work and what I teach. And they are my, my version, my take on the main principles of a therapeutic approach called acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT. Now, even though ACT was originally developed as a therapeutic modality, uh, its application is far-reaching. And in fact, we're seeing an emergence of acceptance and commitment coaching as well. Uh, with the full blessing of the creators of ACT, they, they too see that while it is incredibly effective for use in a psychotherapeutic setting, the main principles are universally beneficial. Um, but as with many therapeutic modalities, there's a lot of jargon. And I really wanted to take these core principles, simplify them a bit, or maybe, maybe distill them is a better word, and to explore what does it look like to use these principles in a small business or in an entrepreneurial setting, and then also how can we use them as coaches. And so the three M's are my take on those fundamental act principles. So meaning is all about values. And so we certainly have talked about that um, already today. What gives your life a sense of purpose? Um, what are, you know, what's, what's the lighthouse in your life? What are, what are you heading towards? But then also baked into meaning is how do your values then inform the actions you take? Because it's one thing to say that you value something. It's quite another for your behaviors and your decisions to reflect that. So when we're talking about meaning, we're talking both about the values theoretically, but also in application. So that's the first M, which is meaning, and is a wonderful place to start with our coaching clients, because that's one way that we can get to know them on a much deeper level than just um, the more demographic kind of perspective that, that sometimes we, we start with. The second M we have certainly addressed as well, that's mindset. And as I mentioned before, you know, I think there's different ways that we can define mindset and a lot of attention gets paid to the thought process of mindset and, you know, understandably so. But I would say it's really, again, about that internal landscape. What private experiences are you having? Thoughts, memories, sensations, emotions, and how do those inform how you show up in the world around you? So when we're doing mindset work, that's what we're doing. It's like, it's like we're doing an internal review, and we're taking a really close look at how those experiences inform who you are as a person, what matters to you, your values, and then how you show up in the world. 
And then the third M is mindfulness. And so mindfulness, I, I love that it's really in the in the zeitgeist. I mean, we, we've been talking about mindfulness for quite a quite a while now. And certainly, it's had a kind of a surge in popularity over the last decade or two. Uh, and I think sometimes people hear mindfulness and they automatically think meditation or being quiet or, or reflective. And while that can be a form of mindfulness, um, what I would suggest is that mindfulness is simply paying attention to the present moment with a sense of intentionality, but also without judgment and without attachment. And for me, that's the trickiest part of a mindfulness practice is noticing the thoughts, noticing the emotions, noticing the behaviors, and not judging them, but simply seeing them for what they are. And so when before, when we were talking about how especially early coaches might over-prepare and really want to structure and get everything about the session crystal clear and, and perfectly defined, um, that can actually take us out of the present moment because we're either thinking about what we've already done and analyzing that, or we're moving forward and trying to predict the future and think about what question am I going to ask and where are we going? And that takes us out of the present moment. And so mindfulness really is a vital part of the coaching process because it allows us to stay in the moment with the client and place our full attention on their experience. And that is a bit of a balancing act. I mean, we're human beings, and so we're going to have our own thoughts and emotions come up while we're coaching, and those might take us out of the present moment. So the goal is not to not have that happen. The goal is to notice when it happens and then return to the present moment, um, ideally as quickly as possible. So that's kind of a brief synopsis of the three M's, meaning mindset and mindfulness. I do go into depth about them in my book, Act on Your Business, uh, but I think it's so helpful for coaches to think about the three M's and how they show up in their coaching work and how they can support uh, their clients' growth. So, so with uh, with mindfulness as well, would that also constitute like just like the ability, which which it is a learned skill, um, just through practice and just yes. trial and error, of really trying to hear what people are are actually saying behind what they're actually saying. Um, and just trying to like peel back those layers internally to, to, and ask like open-ended questions where they're like, okay, like, well, why, what do you mean by that? Or like something like that to where it's like, you're trying to understand them on a deeper level, but also without them knowing it, help trying to help them understand themselves on a deeper level too. Would that also be constituted as mindfulness as well? I think it absolutely can be. I, I think mindfulness maybe is the doorway to that. We really can't engage with our clients on that level if we're not fully present in the moment. Right. And so when we are practicing mindfulness and we're bringing our full attention to them, we do that while also being aware of what is still happening within us because we're humans, that's going to happen. And so then it requires a bit of a balancing act between having our attention on the client and also noticing any intuitive hits, any sensations, any, any insights that come up for us. And then I, I always say to myself, I have to remind myself of this just as much as I do my students, behind every good statement, there's probably a better question. So if you have something that you want to share with your client, like you just have this like, oh, I need to say this, perhaps you do need to say it. I don't mean to suggest you don't, but before you do, maybe pause and ask, what's the question behind that statement? 
And so then that's mindfulness. It's being present. It's being aware. And then we can create or craft that question in such a way where it does elicit that uh, that reflection from the client. Because as you know, people, those aha moments come when they make the connection themselves, not when someone else is making it for them. So when we can create opportunities for those moments, that's what's going to stick and that's what's going to lead to change that lasts, not just short-term in the moment change, but truly sustainable change. Uh, and, and that's really, to me, what powerful coaching is all about. Mm. Yeah. I love that. The, what's a better question behind it. That's really, really good. I do. Yeah. That's going to be a post-it note up in my office. <laughs> yes. It's, it's on mine too. No lie. It's right there. Uh, I mean, I, I know I have to constantly remind myself of that anyway, but I like having just some of those reminders up in front of me just to mm-hmm. make it easier on my, my brain. So yeah. Well, and I want to give coaches the benefit of the doubt because I know a lot of coaches tend to be more explanatory, more declarative. Um, and it's not that that is inherently bad or wrong. Because for the most part, it's coming from a good place. They are telling their clients what to do. They are sharing their thoughts and opinions freely because they want the clients to learn from that and benefit. So I really do understand the perspective that that coach has. And it's like, oh, if the client would just do it this way, they're going to be successful. So I acknowledge that. And and I think that can be appreciated. And we can challenge that approach a bit and push back and say, is this a time where they need to be the recipient of knowledge? Or is this a time where they need to create their own? More often than not, not always, but more often than not, it's going to be the latter. Yeah, I agree. And I think sometimes when it's difficult to come up with the right question to ask, one of one of my, um, I guess, loopholes, if you will, is to kind of hug a statement with curiosity and wonder, because it allows it to not be something that is so declarative that I that I know exactly that this is the case. But I'm able to say this is kind of what a thought is that I'm having. I wonder if this or, you know, I'm curious to know, you know, if if there's a connection from here to here, Um, it might be a little bit of a lazier way, or like I said, a a bit of a cheater way. Uh, But if I can't find the right question, sometimes that is a way for me to be more open with what is on my mind, and yet not quite so declarative and, you know, saying, yes, I know this to be the truth. I love that. I, I think that's a great technique. And and also, sometimes we need to learn the rules so we know when to break them. Yeah. And there will be times with our clients where like yeah. they just need a little tough love or they just need to hear something. Yeah. But I think a difference between how coaches approach this versus other professions, number one, there is if we're using the care model, we're requesting permission. And then number two, we follow up that statement with an opportunity for the client to accept, modify, or reject what we share. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that non-attachment piece that's baked into mindfulness. So we're going to share something with the client, but we need to release our attachment to the outcome. Whether the client thinks it's the greatest thing that they've ever heard or whether it doesn't land, not the issue. But we do want to give them an opportunity to reflect on it. So if I'm going to share something with the client, if I'm going to you know, give them a a possible strategy to consider. I'm always going to circle back and say, so how does that resonate with you? Or what about that might work? What might you want to change? Like, I really want to give them permission to poke holes in it, to see what's going to work. And, and 
as we build that relationship, hopefully my clients know they're always free to push back. They're always free to disagree. They're always free to go in an entirely different direction. It's not going to change our relationship. It's not going to change my view of them. And to me, that is inherently client-centered. So when we're sharing our expertise, our ideas in such a way where the client is free to take it and run with it or not, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's a key piece of, of coaching as well. I agree. And it will ultimately affect the sustainability of their change. And that's just, it's it's part of human behavior, human motivation. And um, so that's so important to make sure that they know that they can feel some sort of ownership in that approach, you know, in the technique or, or in whatever strategy you gave them. Exactly. Well, Lee, this was a super insightful uh, episode today. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, And I really enjoyed just meeting you, you know, and just getting to know you. And, um, you know, I'm I'm excited for our our relationship as the three of us to continue. I think that we even spoke about potentially doing another one down the road. Who knows? We'll see. (laughs) You know, I don't want to make any promises, but we'll see. Um, I'm certainly hoping so. Um, so Lee, in the meantime, though, why don't you tell uh, the listeners where they can find you, you know, like if you have a website or, or anything like that. I would be happy to. But again, I am just so grateful for the opportunity to have connected with both of you. This has been so much fun. Mm. Uh, And I always know, like, I cannot believe we've been talking for almost an hour. When (laughs) when time flies like that, we are in flow. And and to me, that's just, it's such a joyful experience. So thank you for for co-creating that with me. Uh, And if someone would like to connect with me, learn more about the work that I do, uh, the best way to find me is over on my website, coachwithclarity.com. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok at coachwithclarity. I literally started TikTok like three weeks ago, and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm approaching it with curiosity and openness, just like I do everything else. So we're having some fun over there. But Instagram, TikTok are great places to find me at coachwithclarity. And then, of course, you can also find me on my weekly podcast, the Coach with Clarity podcast, which is available wherever you listen to your shows. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Lee, thank you again. Um, like I said, this was great. So um, yeah, and everyone who listen, who's listening, thank you for tuning in today. Um, as always, we do have our Facebook group, which is New Money Habits Financial Coaches. Uh, feel free to hop in there and we can talk about all the stuff that we talked about today, uh, as well as anything else that you wanted to talk about. Um, and also, if you enjoyed the episode, just uh, we just ask that you leave a review and or uh, a rating. That would be really helpful to us. And um, without without anything else being said, we just hope that you guys enjoy the rest of your week and uh, may it be a prosperous one as well. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Financial Coaches Podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Sizemore Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes and join our growing group of like-minded coaches on Facebook. And until next time, happy coaching. Music provided by Summer School.